real quick. Yeah, don't have your seat yet. Grab your Bible real quick. Turn to Matthew chapter 26. We're going to be continuing our sermon series called Death to Life. Matthew 26, I got two verses we're going to read here, and then we're going to read as we go along uh, through the sermon today. Matthew 26, starting in verse 14, and it says this, then... One of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and he asked, what are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 silver coins and from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for the fact that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross, that in the midst of our denial as we looked at Peter last week, and even at times how we may seek to betray Jesus in some way, shape, or form, God, that we know that Jesus' death on the cross covers all our sins, that he went to the cross knowing that we were still gonna sin, and yet that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God, I pray that we would understand the importance, the significance of Jesus going to the cross, that you would heal our hearts, that you would make us clean, that you would open up our eyes to what it is you want to teach us today and that your spirit would move. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can have a seat. As you're having a seat, I do want to remind you, next week is Easter Sunday. So the question is, who have you invited? We asked you to figure out at least three to five people that you've invited. We, all, we, we got you 1,200 all right, 1,200, that's 1,200 for those of you who are numerically challenged. 1,200 of these invites to present to people, to give to people, whether you're checking out at Walmart or you're going into a restaurant and you're, you're eating, you leave it with the, the person, you invite them. You, matter of fact, I ate at Dave's Bakery on, on Wednesday with a group of pastors. I took them up. I, t- I told the girls, that, hey, we would love to have you go to church. You went, no, I don't. We'd love to have you come uh, to service this Wednesday. I left a stack of them at Dave's Bakery off to the side uh, where they have uh, some, some things up there. So we wanna encourage you uh, to, 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 to invite people. Matter of fact, we have enough of these left over, all right, because they are Easter on one side. They are our iHeart Independence, uh, which is the next weekend on Saturday. Uh, on the other side, and we're gonna ask you today, before you leave, let's clean these things out uh, to, to go ahead and hit your neighborhood. 10 houses down to the right, 10 houses to the left, or maybe you only have 10 houses on your street, maybe just hit your block, but make a personal invite to those who are around your house, uh, around your home, who are part of your neighbors, uh, to invite them here uh, on that Sunday for Easter, as well as uh, to iHeart Independence. We'll let you know next week, we will not have Sunday school. We're gonna have our pancake breakfast. We do this every Easter. We'll have a pancake breakfast at 945, and then we'll follow up with our, our Easter worship service uh, at, at 10, 1050, obviously. So we're gonna continue with that. So, so we still want you to be here. Come hang out, get connected, be together. But we were, we're gonna not have Sunday school next week, and we're gonna go on with that. But with Easter being next week, I wanna ask you this. I wanna focus our attention on the events that really lead up to Jesus' death on the cross, all right? And one of the things that we're gonna see, and I have no clue what's going on with my stuff here, all right? Um, but I don't know what's happening here. Anyways, we're gonna, we're gonna shoot this because for some reason my computer is not opening this up and I have last week's sermon there. So we're good to go, all right? But we're gonna look at, 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 at uh, yeah, yeah, that's computer and technology. It's probably more pastor's mistake. So, but listen to me on this. Here's what we're gonna do. We're looking at, at Judas today and I want you to think about and ask you this question. When it comes to betrayal, what comes to mind? 
When it comes to betrayal, what comes to mind? Maybe in some way, shape, or form, you would look and go, hey, betrayal in my mind is this. As a matter of fact, betrayal may bring up a past history where somebody you felt betrayed you. Somebody had walked against you. Somebody you thought was super close, was a close friend, obviously turns their back on you and goes the complete and opposite direction. What is it that led you to that point to see what betrayal was? Because as we look at the story of Judas today, we're gonna begin to see something that I believe is very important. And that is that this, that in the midst of betrayal, Judas has an option and an opportunity to turn to repentance, to turn back to God, but in the like manner, he doesn't. He chooses to take the way that a lot of times most people in today's society choose. That is, God couldn't love me enough. I've obviously gone too far and therefore I'm just gonna bear the weight and the burden of my sin and shame. And even though I know it's wrong, I'm not going to go down the road of asking for forgiveness. See, the reality is the betrayal of Judas in some way, shape, or form is inside all of us. We oftentimes look at the story of Judas and we go, oh my gosh, what, what, what a wretched piece of junk. But I want you to think about this because there's a lot of people who could be falling into this situation. Judas spent three years walking with Jesus. Judas experienced every one of Jesus's miracles. Judas was there when he watched Jesus feed the 5,000. As a matter of fact, Judas took part in the feeding of the 5,000, if you remember, because he's most likely one of the ones who helped break up some of the stuff. Judas was somebody who walked and talked, who spent time with Jesus, who reflected on what Jesus was trying to teach, who thought about this big picture. But Judas also, from a big picture sense, didn't get quite what Jesus meant. And so today as we look at Judas, today as we begin to see what's going on among Judas and, and, and the, the, the reality of what he is dealing with and what he faces and, and how we can see things take place, what we see in Judas is the reality is that this, that Judas missed the boat because Judas had a preconceived idea. He had an idea that Jesus was going to respond in a certain way and when Jesus didn't respond the way Judas wanted him to do, Judas decided to take matter in, his, the matters into his own hands. I believe Judas's intentions to a certain extent were somewhat good. And I'm gonna explain that here in just a little bit. I don't believe Judas sought to see Jesus die. I think Judas was trying to force Jesus's hand to step up and do what he thought Jesus should do instead of what Jesus came to do, which was die on the cross. And so as we dig in today and we look at this section of scriptures, we dive into this, we're gonna look at and break this down. If you notice anything about Judas and what we see in the story of Judas, Judas, first of all, was the one who took care of the treasury for the disciples, right? If you go and read the gospel of John, Judas was all about money. And so as we dig in to see what kind of led Judas maybe into that betrayal is it, just ahead of our section of scripture is where Jesus was anointed at Bethany by a woman. If you know anything about this story, you know that the value of the anointing oil that they put on Jesus or that she put on Jesus was about a year's wages. Now, 
for those of you who think about this, you go, well, okay, back in that day, that's not that much or expensive. But you have to put yourself in this situation. This woman walks in to anoint Jesus with something that costs a year's wage. So let's just take the median income around here. On this side of Chrysler, thirty-four dollars to $50,000 is the median income on this here. Let's just say that somebody brought in a, a jar of perfume worth $34,000 and she anoints Jesus in front of everybody. How do you respond? That lady's nuts. What the heck is her problem? We could have split that jar of perfume up into 150 different jars of perfume and done a lot of good for a lot of people instead of a little good for one person. And what I believe is this, when we look at the section of scripture, when we see what's going on, I believe that this was just the straw that broke the camel's back type mentality. And Judas went, oh no, he's not getting the big picture. He's supposed to be the Messiah. He's the one who's gonna come in and dominate and dictate and rule as a political ruler over this Roman government and he's not. He's laying everything aside and he's doing things that don't make sense like letting her do this. And so what I want you to see today is this, the big statement, the big idea, if you remember anything, I want you to remember this, pop this up there, Ethan, because I don't have my notes, so I'm doing it all by fly, so get ready, all right? There is a little Judas in all of us. Just as we said last week that in some way, shape, or form, when Peter denies Jesus, there's a little bit of Peter in all of us there's a little bit of Judas in all of us. We're all tempted to trade our relationship with Jesus for something or someone else. And before you say, no, I don't, the question is this, how many of times have you tried or come to a situation in life where all of a sudden you begin to almost barter with God? If you just loved me this much, you would allow me to do this. We try and force it at times by forcing God's hand into certain circumstances and certain situations when the reality is that's not the way it goes. See, there's a little Judas in all of us. We all in some way, shape, or form want to deny or betray Jesus in an aspect that we may say it's not that big a deal. When in reality, it's a huge deal. Matter of fact, I want to pop up this next thing. So how, how did Judas miss the big picture? The question is this, how did Judas miss it? How did Judas miss the point? And I believe is this, that number one, Judas had his own agenda. Matter of fact, if you look in this section of scriptures in verses 14 through 15, follow along with me, listen again what it says. Then one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests, all right? So the next slide that's gonna pop up is this idea, he went to the chief priest. Who went to the chief priest? Did the chief priest seek out Judas? Judas sought out the chief priest. Judas, is reali Judas realizes at the end of, or, or seeing what took place at the anointing of Bethany, Judas realizes, I'm not sure just this, this Jesus guy's kind of getting the bigger picture of what it means to be the Messiah. The Messiah's gonna come in and he's gonna rule in a certain way. And so I believe that Judas tries to force God's hand in a circumstance or situation by making him rise up. See, I believe the goal of Judas at this point was not to see Jesus go to the cross. The goal of Judas 
was to see Jesus now rise to the power position and take authority or control over Rome, over the Jewish people. I believe wholeheartedly Judas had good intentions. He wanted to force God's hand into a situation to say, this is what you need to do to be the Messiah. But intentions don't mean anything. A matter of fact, you could be a person who has gone to church your whole life. You've been serving in situations, sitting under the feet of Jesus, just as Judas did, and still try and force God's hand in a circumstance or situation in your life. That's why we compromise God's word in our own life. That's why we say, well, I'm not sure he really meant that. If he really loved me, then he would allow me to kind of walk this tightrope of sin that I love to walk so easily. See, there's a little bit of Judas in all of us, isn't there? In some way, shape, or form in our lives, we betray Judas on a consistent basis or betray Jesus just like Judas does on a consistent basis. And so what we begin to see is this. If there's a little bit of Judas in all of us, then we have a choice that we can continue to respond like Judas did or we can move in a new direction and respond the way Peter did. Remember, both of them are wrong. Both of them sinned. We can go right back to Romans chapter five that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. that, that, That verse still means everything to Peter, even though it wasn't written at that point. It means the exact same thing to Peter as it should to us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Christ Jesus died for Peter. Christ Jesus died for Judas. The biggest picture, the biggest problem is the way they responded as a result of their sin or after their sin. See, Judas decided to take matters into his own hands. Judas was trying to get Jesus on his agenda rather than Judas getting on Jesus's agenda. Why? Because Judas is the one who went to the chief priests. He sought it out. This carries this idea. One of the biggest differences between like Peter and Judas is this. Judas's plan was premeditated. Peter's plan, we would to a certain extent, say, was in a passionate rejection. In other words, Peter had every good intent, just like I believe Judas had good intent, but Peter realizes when he sinned and he wept bitterly, which carries this idea of repentance and remorse. If you notice Judas, Judas goes in, and we're gonna jump into that, he completely comes from a different direction. He doesn't respond in the right way. And so what we see is the failure of moving on in the right direction. Here's point number two, all right? Point number two, we're gonna flip it up there. How did Judas miss the point? Judas ignores the warning. If you follow along with me, now we're jumping down. I told you we'd read more scripture. In verse 20, Matthew 26, starting in verse 20, listen to what it says. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. One of you is going to rise to the top. One of you is going to be the one who you were a close friend of mine. And here's, here's what hurts so much about betrayal, am I, if I'm not correct, is that betrayal doesn't come from somebody you don't like or you don't trust or you don't know. Betrayal comes from what? Somebody who's close to you. Somebody who's a friend. 
Somebody who you have trusted and maybe you confided in, but as a result, for some reason, they decided to turn their back on you. And so Jesus says, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and they began to say to him, one after the other, surely not I, Lord. And Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The son of man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the son of man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judah said, the one, uh, the one who would betray him said, surely not I, rabbi. And if you'll notice there's a statement here that I believe separates or shows Judas's lack of relational connection now because he just calls him rabbi or teacher instead of Lord or Messiah. And Jesus answered, yes, it is you. And so here's the thing. Judas ignores the warning right there. Now, part of that we would say was fulfillment of scripture. We obviously know that there has to be the fulfillment of scripture. God said it was gonna happen, so that's going to happen. We're gonna follow God's word. But Judas ignored the warning from the get-go because Judas still had his desires or his agenda in mind rather than Jesus's agenda. And what's funny is a lot of times that's the way our lives work. We have our own agenda, our own idea. We want it to go a certain way. Matter of fact, there may be a bargaining in your life and you say, God, if it would just go this way, then I will follow you. Anybody ever been in that situation? See, the reality is what that is is an ignoring of the warning because God says, remember what we read earlier in Psalm 33, that my plan will succeed. So I have a choice to get on board with the agenda that Jesus has or I have a choice to get on board with the agenda I have. And the reality is most of us like our agenda a lot more. So we will allow that agenda to usurp authority or control of the agenda Jesus has in our life. That's why when we talk about the multiplication of churches and the multiplication of disciples, but yet at the same time, the death of so many churches, the reason so many churches I believe die is because the agenda of certain people, maybe leaders with good intentions, has usurped the authority of the gospel of Jesus Christ and usurped the authority of Jesus in any way, shape or form in the church. That's why people say, not in my church, you're not gonna do that. Over my dead body, will that ever happen here? Maybe chasing a rabbit just a little bit, but I'd be blown away. And it's regardless of your preference of music, I would be blown away whether it's an organ, a piano, an electric keyboard, electric guitar, acoustic guitar, drums, I don't know. I would be blown away if any of those are in heaven because I really don't see it happening, period. So if we're gonna go down that road and say, well, I don't know if that's right. The reality is this. Everything that we do should be about bringing glory and honor to Jesus Christ alone. Everything we do. And so our music is just simply a reflection of who God is. It's simply a reflection in proclaiming his greatness in his goodness, his majesty, and his glory, and our need for him. And it's, an, it's a way to claim our sin. It's a way to say, God, I am a sinner and I need you. And I praise you for what you've done for me. 
But Judas ignores the warning. And the question is here, do I ignore the warning as well? Listen, there were all kinds of warnings that Jesus threw out. Listen, there will be people who will work their way into the church, who will be wolves in sheep's clothing. Jesus gives us the statement in Matthew chapter seven, there will be lots of people who claimed, look at what I did for you, look at all the great things I did for you, and Jesus is gonna say, away from me, I never knew you. See, I believe wholeheartedly that the warning of Judas is a stronger warning to the Christian who, or the person who claims to be a Christian but yet denies Jesus by their lifestyle outside You may come on Sunday morning, you may sit in Sunday school, but you deny Jesus by your lifestyle. I saw Judas's life should be a stronger warning to you than anybody else, that you could be so close to Jesus and yet miss the big picture. To miss the excitement and the joy of the life Jesus offers me and instead settle for my own agenda outside the will of God. Why? Because it just seems better that way. He doesn't get what I'm going through. He doesn't understand my problems and my circumstances. He doesn't understand the situation he's in. He doesn't even understand his own place. See, that's exactly the way Judas approached it. And so how does Judas, or why did Judas miss the point? Because Judas ignored the warnings ahead of time. That's number two. Number three is this. And you can flip over into verse 47. We're gonna follow along. Number three is this. You're my note takers, fellas. I need you to move, grout. I'm gonna be on them like a baseball coach. Number three, thank you. All right, how did he miss the point? Because he just simply betrayed Jesus. He went away from, listen to verse 47. While Jesus was still speaking, now they go into the garden of the Gethsemane. Jesus is praying. The disciples, listen, here's a failure statement. The disciples are asked to pray. What happens? I'm too tired. It's too much on me. The disciples have fallen asleep. Jesus is trying to get them going. And then he realizes, rise up, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And so while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the 12 arrived with him or arrived with him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him. Going at at once to Jesus, Judas said, greetings, rabbi, and he kissed him. And listen to Jesus' response because this to me speaks volumes. Jesus replied, friend, do what you came for. And then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. Here's the reality. When Judas betrays Jesus, I want you to see a number of things. Judas had this premeditated idea played out. Judas thought there was a bigger picture in mind. Judas believed wholeheartedly that he was just literally forcing God's hand or forcing Jesus' hands to rise into control, to rise into power. I don't believe at all that Judas necessarily understood that he would be the one who would betray Jesus to the cross. Why do I believe that? And here's, here's the reason why. Because none of the disciples got the big picture. How clueless were all the disciples? Even to the point where after Jesus arises and somebody shows up, what happens? I'm not gonna believe it unless I touch him. You're crazy. Peter hears the news, what's Peter do? I'm gonna go run and see myself. 
There was a lack of faith, a lack of trust, and I believe the disciples didn't get the bigger picture. They were looking for a political deliverer, not a risen savior. But Judas misses the point by betraying Jesus. And what I want you to see is this, that Judas separates himself out, not by calling him Lord or master, but by calling him teacher. In other words, you've taught us some great things, but there is a personal segment drawn out. And I want you to see this though, that Jesus replied, friend. If you go back into Matthew chapter 11, what do the Pharisees and tax collectors call Jesus? The friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus approached Judas with the very intent he had from the get-go. Jesus approached Judas knowing that Judas' betrayal would lead him to the cross and Jesus yet still is standing there. Judas, while you're yet a sinner, you're still my friend. In Genesis chapter four, when Cain, in the story of Cain and Abel, when he's slain, and it says that they cried out for vengeance, his blood cried out for vengeance. When Jesus goes to the cross, the betrayal of Jesus and the blood shed by Jesus on the cross does not cry out for vengeance, but it cries out for life and peace. See, the blood of Jesus shed on the cross is offering you life and peace. And Judas' betrayal leads Jesus to the cross, and yet Jesus did not respond the way Judas thought he would respond. Jesus did not respond to the Romans the way that Judas thought he should respond. Jesus did not respond to the world the way Judas thought he should respond, which was to come in and wipe out and annihilate everything. Instead, Jesus says, look, I am the friend of tax collectors and sinners. And friend, come and do what you're gonna do because I know it's written in scripture. I know it's what God has called me to do. And that's what's gonna lead to the life and the hope and the forgiveness of sins that everybody else can experience. See, the reality is that in Judas' betrayal of Jesus should lead us closer and closer to the cross because the blood of Jesus does not cry out for vengeance, but it cries out for life. The reason why so many people want vengeance in today's world is because they've not experienced the life that Jesus offers. As a matter of fact, I would even say this because I've had people say this to me before, Christians. If you believe that there is a certain segment, nation, group, or even religion of people that you believe deserve to die apart from Christ, you don't get the big picture. You have an Americanized version of Christianity because the big picture is this that what people deserve, they don't get because Jesus offers life. And you and I should all be thankful for the fact that we don't get what we deserve. Judas' betrayal just unleashes and opens up a box that you and I can't even begin to understand what's going on there. And here is the last thing the thing that I think we all have to understand. Number four <clears throat> is this. And if you flip over to Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse one, Judas's response 
shows us our need for Jesus in an even greater way. In Matthew chapter 27, it says this, early in the morning, all the chief priests, the elders of the people came to the decision, listen, to put Jesus to death. I believe at this point, Judas didn't see a big picture, but when he finds out that Jesus is sentenced to death, now all of a sudden, the flood of emotion overwhelms him. He is overwhelmed by the fact that he just betrayed an innocent man, because listen to what it says. They bound him, they led him away, they handed him over to Pilate the governor, and when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse, and he returned the 30 coins of silver to the chief priests of the elders. And he said, listen, he admits he's a sinner. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. And listen to what the people say. Who cares? What's that to us? What is that to us, they said? That's your responsibility. And so Judas threw the money into the temple and left. And he went away and he hung himself. Here's the reality. Judas had remorse. He wished he would have never done it, but Judas did not have an, act, an attitude of repentance. Judas did not confess wrongdoing. Judas did not come and go, Lord, I've, I've sinned against you, forgive me. Judas decided to bear, listen to me, to bear the weight of his own sins. Judas made the choice, and listen to me, when you make the choice, God is not going to interfere with your choice and say, okay, fine, I'm gonna force your hand. God will let you go on as long as you wanna go on and do your own thing as long as you wanna do your own thing because he's saying, look, I've done everything for you. You just have to turn to me. Repentance is an attitude of turning to Jesus. Otherwise, I'm gonna bear the weight of my own sin. I'm gonna bear the emotional weight, the baggage that I have to carry because my sins are so disgusting and so bad that according to the Bible, it says they're like filthy rags, but yet God, as far as the east is from the west, will remove them. Judas lays it out and shows us our need for Jesus more and more, our need for an attitude of repentance, our need for an attitude of remorsefulness and turning away. But our greatest need is this, that we can't carry the weight of the sins of this world. We can't even carry the weight of our own sins, on our own shoulders, because it's gonna lead us down the road of destruction. Listen again, because I think this is important. What does it matter what everybody else thinks? Matter of fact, when Judas has remorsefulness over his sin and he goes and basically confesses it before those people, what do they say? Why do we care? There are a lot of us that worry more about what people think than what God thinks. We worry more about how we might offend somebody based upon how we believe or what we follow or who we follow rather than worrying about being obedient to what God has called us to be. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, here's the reality. Jesus went to the cross to bear the weight of your sins and my sins. 
And when we look at the cross, we look at the fact that think about Jesus dying on the cross, what you have to begin to realize is that Jesus' death on the cross was for you, it was for me, it was for all of us here in this room, but it's also for everybody else outside. And those who don't confess Jesus, those who don't confess Jesus Lord, those who don't turn from their sins and turn from him, according to scripture, will be separated. They're going to bear the weight of your own sin, the weight of your own burden, the, the, the emotional baggage, the, the spiritual baggage, and the physical baggage that you're gonna have to carry as a result of your betrayal of Jesus. And so the question is, what do I do? What do I do? And I believe wholeheartedly that the answer is very simple in what Peter did. Last week we looked at Peter and we dug in to see that Peter's denial, yes, it was a vile thing. Peter and Judas are on the same level. See, a lot of times in Christianity, we like to go, well, there's kind of levels of sin. We got this sin, well, that's not that bad. And then there's this one, it's even worse. It's not as bad as this. Well, and then there's this one. It's super bad. Listen to me. Sin is sin. I mean, the reality is, if your kid came in and said, well, I didn't really, it wasn't that bad, mom, dad. I just did, yeah, but it's wrong. It's sin. Oh, but it it didn't affect anybody. No, it affected you. It affects your character. It affects all of those things that go with who you are. You are broken, you are flawed. And so what we have to begin to see is this, that it should show us our need for Jesus. Why? Because Peter and Judas are on the same situation, same circumstance, same level. The difference is the response. Peter responds with a broken heart, in repentance, admitting he screwed up, weeping bitterly over it, And Judas just tries to bear the weight of his own burden on his own. Listen, here's the biggest thing I think, and a lot of people will try and use this as a, uh, they've used this to try and say that suicide is evil and all of those things. But listen to me, here's the reality. Number one, Judas was used by Satan to go a direction he never should have gone in the first place. And I believe wholeheartedly that Satan is still at work around us. And Satan may be working on you to try and force some doubt into your mind that Jesus isn't needed. You could do it on your own. You don't need all that religious junk. Listen, if there was ever a person who could say he was a religious person but missed the big picture, Judas would be the one. The question is, do you want to carry your own sins, the weight of your own sins, the burden of your own sins on your own? Or do you want to turn it over? Give it away. Let Jesus carry it because he's already paid for it. Betrayal is a huge thing and it hurts. If you've ever been betrayed, you know what it feels like. And what I find ironic in this story is this that Jesus, in the midst of the greatest betrayal, still says to Judas, friend, and I believe it was the compassionate love 
the love that Jesus showed was unconditional. And it was almost his last attempt to say, Judas, I know you're gonna betray me. But remember, I'm the friend of sinners. Listen, and here's what I wanna communicate very clearly. Maybe you're a person who you grew up in church and you struggle with the way people within the church have responded to lost people. And I wanna say this to to, to people who, who don't go to church, who don't believe in Jesus. I want you to say this to you. Listen, we have a great role to play within the church, but we cannot usurp the authority of Jesus. We must be friends with the very people that Jesus would have been friends with if you want to reach him. Next week is the Sunday that people actually say they will go to church if they're invited. And my question to you is this, who are you inviting? Because this is the week, this is the opportunity to say, look, I want you to come. I want you to hear the gospel. Maybe, maybe you could share the gospel with it, but I want you to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. He bore the weight of the sins of the world, but guess what? He's not dead. He's not dead like Judas. Judas tried to carry it all on his own, but Jesus, Jesus carried everything for everybody, and yet he's alive. He offers us life and life more abundantly and that's the greatest story that can ever be told. That he defeats sin and he defeated death, defeats sin on the cross, he defeats death through the grave and the resurrection from the grave and that is the greatest story we can ever hold or told that can ever be told. So my question is this, are you denying Jesus? Are you betraying Jesus by saying, you know what, I just don't have time to invite people. I don't have time to befriend Sinners. Listen, I know in the past, and I I was approached by a person right after I got here who said this point blank. You're asking us to make friends with people we were told to avoid. If the church ever told you to avoid lost people, please let me clarify. That was a human agenda. That was not Jesus' agenda. I'm not saying do what they do. Jesus never said that. I'm not saying that you gotta go and act like they act. Jesus never said that. But Jesus said, you need, must be, in order to influence, in order to speak truth into them, you have to befriend sinners. So my question to you is this. Who are you befriending so that you can invite? Who are you praying for so that you can hopefully see them, God willing, through the power of the Spirit, come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the biggest picture. Why? Because inside all of us, there's a little bit of Judas that we want to take a different route and go a different direction because we think we got it all figured out. Father, we thank you for your word, knowing that you, you are the one who makes it grow. You are the one who waters it within our lives, that God, you can use it in a great way. And God, I know 
that you speak through broken vessels. You speak through sinners, just like myself and other pastors around the world, who we are no different than anyone else in the pew. We are in need of your saving grace. We are in need of repenting of our sins and acknowledging them to you and turning to you and following you. And so God, I pray that people would see just the good news of Jesus, that you don't have to carry the weight of your own sins, that we don't have to bear that burden because Jesus already bore it for us. So God, we pray today that you would be made known, that people would come to understand who Jesus is and what Jesus did and how we can experience life more abundantly through Christ. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Here's what we're gonna do. As we-